right. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see everybody. Good to see everybody. Happy spring break vacation. I can tell you guys are thrilled. (laughs) Happy spending time with your kids for one week out of school. Amen. Come on, everybody. We love our children. We love our children. Hey, uh, before I get into the message today, most of y'all noticed we had uh, one of these little cards in your, in your seats, and I want to tell you what we're doing with those. Uh, something we did last year, and, and uh, I felt like the Lord really had his, his hand on it and, and helped us uh, with these cards. Uh, and this is what I want you to do with these. Throughout the course of this week, you can do it even during the service, but this week and next week, we're going to take up these cards, and this is what I want you to, to do with it. I want you to be praying about a name, at least one name, there may be more than one name, but at least one name of a person that you know that is disconnected from God, that's disconnected from church uh, for one reason or another. Maybe they used to go to church, but they haven't been in a long time, or maybe they've never gone to church, whatever it is. And I want you to write their name down, and we are going to partner with you and agree in prayer that those people would be able to come on Easter and hear the message of Jesus Christ. And we believe that, that lives are going to be changed. And so uh, over the next couple of weeks, like I said, we're going to be lifting these up. And that's our agreement to you is we're going to lift every one of these names up in prayer as a staff. And I will personally um, and believe with you that God will move in their hearts and make them open to being willing to come. Because Easter is a time when typically people are more open to the message of Jesus Christ, to coming to church at least, than other times during the year. And so we want to pack this place with opportunities for people to have an eternal address change. Amen? So if you guys will do that, be praying about that. We'll have them out again next week because we know there's some people out for spring break this week. And uh, we'll make sure we have those available. But you can hand them in uh, this week or next week if you want. Be praying about that. And uh, we know that God's going to move in that. Today I want to talk to you about the subject of anger. The subject of anger. And I know as soon as I say that subject of anger, every person that is angry in here is like, well, I'm glad this is not about me. <laughs> There's your sign, okay? There's, and, and I've noticed, too, when I start talking about this, like the really angry people, like even their body language, they like start twitching and stuff and like folding their arms. They don't seem real open to what, what God would want to communicate. But the truth is probably all of us have struggled with some form of anger at one point or another in our lives. And this is something that God actually laid on my heart a few days ago, and I've been mad about it ever since, uh, that he wants me to preach about this. But we are living in some very angry times. How many of you guys would agree with that? You know, just looking at the news, just watching TV, it's like, man, people are angry. And it's on, on any given subject, whether, you know, whether it's gun control or people are mad at Trump. Uh, the View is mad. They're just mad about everything. I don't know why. They're just really upset people on that show. But, but people are just angry about a lot of different things. And, and this anger exists in all places. I mean, there's anger in churches. There's anger in schools, in your homes, in, in Washington, in the media. There's just anger all over the place. They actually did a study this last year. And with the amount of anger that's happening in our countries, other countries actually studying just how angry we are, trying to figure out what is wrong with America, because they are just angry right now. So they did a study, they, they surveyed 3,000 people, and they found that over 1,500 of them, over 50% of those people, have more anger in their lives right now than they did the previous year. There's more anger in their lives right now than the previous year. And this anger 
really touches every type of person. Because uh, they surveyed people from lots of different backgrounds. They, they surveyed whether it was dancers or fishermen or gardeners, even knitters. Even people who knit, they're angry, which is scary because they have pointy objects. So if they get really mad, there's no telling what they're going to do. Uh, they, they interviewed every kind of vegans. They, they, okay, vegans... <laughs> If you ever met a vegan, you can know these people, they can be angry people. Like they're supposed to be like real peaceful and everything, but vegans can be mean and angry people. I met a couple of vegans on a missions trip. Uh, we were doing some relief work in a, in a military camp in Myanmar. And these, this couple from Australia, they weren't believers. They were just there helping, doing some medical relief. And, and uh, they were vegans. And man, they were just so angry and mad that the people in these villages were slaughtering animals for their food. Like they, they would have to kill a, a goat or kill a chicken or kill a cow to eat. And I'm just like, you guys like should not even be here because like this is the, how the rest of the world lives. And they were just like, and they, they were letting me know about it. Like both of them going back and forth. Like, I can't believe the inhumane, how cruel they are. And these are living creatures. And you know, how would you like it if you got tied up and somebody, you know, killed you for food and, and all this stuff just going on and on and on. And so they just kept going. And then when they finally paused and breathed for a second, I just said, man, it sounds like you guys got some big beef about this. I mean, this is like, <laughs> they didn't take it that well. So, it's always refreshing to get cussed out by a vegan, though. I will say that. But, uh, but people, it doesn't really matter where your background is. I, I know that anger is something that the enemy uses to try to get you in a place where your relationships are hurt where you're divisive, where there is division, and, and he uses anger a lot of times. And, and I will say that no matter what you see or how you see what is going on around you, the one thing we can all agree on is it is exposing the heart of people. Because when, you are, when anger is this visible, really it's just showing the heart that people are struggling with. And, and for me, this is a subject, like I'm very well versed in this subject. <laughs> Uh, I, I know all about anger. I, I, I saw a lot of anger growing up, and because of that, I think some of it was learned behavior, but, but it, it's a choice. And, and I, I know that I've made some decisions in my life where I've just been, I've just been mad. I've been angry, and I've, I've broke all the rules. You know, I, I mean, I have I've punched holes in walls. I've slammed doors. I've broken TV remotes, all of that. And, and for me, like... It, if, you're, if you question whether or not I have an issue maybe with a little bit of anger, just come to a sporting event with me. Just come to a sporting event with me. And you may be thinking like, oh, well, everybody gets a little passionate about the hogs. No, I'm talking about my daughter's five-year-old soccer game. Like, you will see me yelling, screaming. It's not healthy. It's really a bad thing. And, and for me, the, the, the issue of anger and the things I've struggled with in anger, man, it started at a really young age. Uh, when I was five years old in kindergarten, like, I, I had some anger issues. And I, at one point... Like this bully in the school, and we were in a really small community, so it was kindergarten through 12th grade, all in one building. And one of the bullies, he was in like 5th or 6th grade, this bully, man, he just terrorized everybody. But he decided to put a target on my brother. Uh, and my, So my brother, I guess he was in 2nd second, second grade at the time, and, uh, and he decided he was going to pick on my brother. Well, one day he's, he's picking on him, and he's messing with him, and he, he I mean, the, one of the greatest offenses that you could ever bring against somebody, he did to my brother. He tore his favorite Star Wars t-shirt. Okay, this is just something you don't do to someone, okay? And so there his shirt was. Chewy was just cut right in half with the tear right down the middle. And so my brother came home, and he was upset. And here's the thing. Like, I don't even know that I was really all that caring and compassionate about my brother. 
But it gave me an excuse to be angry at somebody. So I was just mad at this bully. I was just mad at this guy. And so I decided I was going to do something about it. Like, I was angry. I was mad. So I went to school the next day, and in our classroom, they had, like, these building blocks. Kindergarten, we had these, like, building blocks for, you know, we could, like, build little houses and stuff. But basically, these building blocks were made out of pieces of two-by-four. And there, there was a couple of these pieces that were, like, a little bit longer, like a foot and a half, two foot long. And so you're supposed to, like, build little houses and stuff out of them. But I saw it as an instrument of justice and, and peace. And, uh, and so I decided I was going to take one of those uh, out on the playground. So I, I, I was real sneaky about this. Like, it was really strategic. I stuck it all the way down my pant leg and, like, covered it up with my shirt. So I went out on the playground with, with, with my board <laughs> and down my pant leg and, uh, and, and was able to kind of find this kid and he... And, he was kind of off away from the, the, the building a little bit, and I looked around, and there weren't any teachers around or anything like that. So I took that board out, and I started hitting this kid with this board. Some of you are like, I'm really scared uh, that he's my pastor. Uh, and I was, so I was just beating this kid with his board. And when I felt like I, he'd had enough, I just dropped the board, you know, like I dropped the mic, like, yeah, boy. <laughs> you know, because he's like fifth grade, a kindergartner bringing it to this fifth grade. That was like a big deal. And, and I was just like, okay, well, obviously now I'll go to prison and, and my life will be over, you know. But it, I got a reaction I didn't expect. And I kid you not, the kids that are around and other kids on the playground, they all ran up and they put me up on their shoulders and they started carrying me around the playground, like cheering for me. And I'm like, yeah! And we were having a really good time until a teacher came out and drug me off to the principal's office. And, uh, which was really interesting. Like, I, I'm sure they met with my parents, and I'm sure, but I really don't remember getting, like, in too big a trouble for doing that, which is kind of weird. But that's 1985. <laughs> you did that now, you probably would go to prison. Like, they, they would, you'd be labeled as a domestic terrorist, and all different kinds of stuff would happen to you. But, but I, I definitely had some anger issues. But whatever, however my anger displayed itself, the one thing that is very, very clear, and the Bible makes it very clear, is anger creates damage around you. It damages relationships. It damages, it just damages. It says in Proverbs twenty nine eleven, it says, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Foolish people just give full vent to their anger, but wise people use self-control. I think that technology, the advancement of technology, has made it a lot easier to be really foolish with your anger. You guys remember, like, back in the day, like, when you were mad, you had to go, like, talk to the person that you were mad at? Like, face-to-face. Like, before cell phones, you know, or even, even, even when it was just pagers, it was really hard to, like, Tell somebody how ticked off you were through a pager. Like, you know, you could see in the numbers, like, decode this one, sucker, you know, and, and try to tell them how angry you were. But then as Internet was created, thank you, Al Gore, he takes credit for that, and you could start sending emails and all this stuff. All of a sudden, like, now all of a sudden, people just, like, can passively, aggressively use and talk about how angry they are. Because before email, you know, I had to, like, write a letter. Like, and you like could like type it, and print it, and mail it. But nobody got time for that. It doesn't matter how mad you are. But in the process of typing a letter and printing it out and putting it in an envelope, by the time you get through that process, you have processed through your anger. And probably decided, wow, I really don't need to be this angry. But it's too easy now. It's too easy now. So now the keyboard warriors are out there. 
And they see things they don't like. And everybody needs to know how angry I am. And probably everybody's done at one point or another. It starts like this. Rant alert. <laughs> I just want to let everybody know. How about blah, 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 blah. Oh, my goodness. But here's the thing. I've done it. We've all done it. But the Bible says that when you give full vent to your anger, you are a fool. You're a fool. And you lose. You lose. Because it doesn't just damage what you're aiming it at. It damages you. It damages your heart. It certainly damages your influence. It damages relationships. It damages people's respect for you. And it damages your kingdom impact. Which is the greatest cost. The problem is, man, there's some things out there we get really passionate about, right? And here's the thing. You may be right in how you feel. You may be right about the subject. But in the process of you demanding being right, you damage. You damage. It's really difficult to rant about something that's happening politically or socially or something like that, to rant and to show how angry you are and then follow that up with your testimony about how Jesus has saved you and given you grace. It's really difficult. It sounds very hypocritical. And we've all done that at one point or another. Some things I learned about anger this last week. I just kind of read up on this. The average woman loses her temper three times a week. The average man loses his temper six times a week. Clearly, you are all overachievers uh, and above average. Because <laughs> some of you are like, three times? I did that this morning. <laughs> like on the way to church. <laughs> but I don't know. They must, uh, maybe they surveyed Amish. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> my wife thought that was really funny. Also learn that women get angry at people while men typically get angry at things. Like men get angry at things like computers, mechanical issues, anything that we hit our head on in the attic. <laughs> Very angry about those things. While, where men, women, they usually, they, they attach their anger immediately to people. So that's why you can be driving around and some you know, person will cut you off. And a man's like, man, did you see that stupid car, stupid truck? They're angry at the, the physical representation. But the woman's like, did you see what they, that must be a man driving that truck. Huh? I can tell right now. Like they're mad at the person. That's the way our, we demonstrate our anger a lot of the times. This is interesting. It said that single adults express anger twice as often as married adults. I didn't know that. Maybe it's because there's more accountability when you're married. Like, you know, if you lose your temper, you're going to be in trouble from your spouse. I don't know why. And where do you think people express their anger the most? Other than 167, clearly that's the highest percentage of anger ever displayed in the history of mankind. But second to that, it's in the home. That is the number one place that people express their anger. Why? Because typically the people that you love the most, that you're the closest to, are the people that you typically get the most angry towards. Display your anger towards. Anger is not always 
an inappropriate response, though. It's not always an inappropriate response. Sometimes anger is appropriate because it shows you what you really care about. It shows you what you really care about. So sometimes anger is just displaying that you love. But there's a right and wrong way to do it. There are some things that I want us as a church to always have some anger about. Like injustice in the world. Like people being sold as sex slaves. Abuse. Kids going to bed without eating. Babies getting murdered. I think there's some things like that that I think there should always be some anger in our hearts. Like that those things that happen because I know that it makes God angry. But the way that we deal with it and the way that we communicate about it and the way that we process that anger makes all the difference in the world as to whether or not we are showing that we genuinely care and we are passionate about the things that matter to God and to his heart and whether or not we just have a personal agenda and we want everybody to know about it. The Bible says this in Ephesians 4.26, when you get angry, do not sin. Which obviously implies that there is a right way to be angry. Like you can do this, but the problem is, is uncontrolled anger will always lead to sin. And that's so often where most of our anger goes. I mean, Jesus got really angry. The money changers in the temple started flipping tables. But he didn't sin. He didn't sin in doing that. God got three... um, Angry in the Bible 375 times. 375 times the Bible says God was angry. And he was right every time. And he was right every time. But there's a right and wrong way to be angry. It says this in Proverbs 25, 28. If you cannot control your anger, you you are as helpless as a city without walls, open to attack. I think this is so perfect. A great picture of what it's like. Because when you let your anger get out of control, you are defenseless. And whether you realize it or not, when, you, when your anger is controlling you, you are, in a way, allowing other people to manipulate you. You're letting them have control over where you're at. And you're defenseless to the people that would invoke those emotions inside of you. Because all of us have probably said or at least heard someone say, Man, that just makes me so mad. Man, they make me so mad. You make me so mad. Really, the appropriate way to communicate what you're feeling is this. You have complete control over my emotional state. You own me. And because you're doing that, you are making me do things that are foolish. And I'm going to say things that I will regret. And I'm going to do things that I will regret. How could you make me do this? My son Corbin, when he was little, like three, four years old, he's trying to express his frustration. He'd get in trouble for something. And so we'd be talking to getting mad or angry at his brother, his sisters. And we'd say, Corbin, why you can't do that, man? What's going on? And he'd say, oh, they're just making me so naughty right now. I don't know where he got that. Maybe he heard me talking to his mom. I don't know. But, but, <laughs> hi. But that's how immature it is. That's how immature it is. When we say, man, you, God, that just makes me so mad. Really? You, you, you have surrendered 
control over your own emotions, your thinking and your heart. You have surrendered that to someone. You've surrendered it to a situation. You're essentially saying, especially if you're a believer, you're saying, this is bigger than God's grace. This is bigger than what he's done for me. This is so bad, it's more powerful than the cross. And it's making me do this. There's a few different types of anger. There's a couple categories I think that most of us fall into. I want to give you a couple biblical examples of these. Uh, One would be like the explosive anger person. Where where it's just obvious. Cain was like this. Uh, the exploders in their anger. The man, they're the people just going to mow you down. There's no doubt that they're angry. There's some people like you have to ask, hey, are you mad? You never have to ask the exploder anger people if they're mad. It's clear. Like their heads are turning red. You can see their pulse in their neck, like, you know, steam coming out of their ears. Like the, these are the people and they just will come through and mow people over. Just laying waste like a bull in a china shop. And Cain was like this in the Bible. And it was the first murder came from this kind of anger. It says in Genesis 4, 5, Cain became furious and he scowled in anger. It's clear that he's angry. And while they were in a field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. He attacked him. This was the response of the first form of anger. It was to attack the thing about people that attack with their anger, man, they live with a lot of regret. Constantly live with a lot of regret. They regret things that they've said. They regret things that they've done. They need a lot of grace from people that live around them. And attackers, they have a tendency to wear people up, wear people out. They, they end up lonely, usually. Uh, so lonely that they, they pretty much have to live their lives on the internet. Because everyone else has gotten tired of listening to them, so, but they're still angry. They still have to have a platform for everybody to know how angry they are. But they live alone. They live away from people. Elijah was another person that, that struggled with a little bit of this explosive anger. And I think that that can be encouraging because Elijah was a man of God. He was a prophet. This is somebody that God's favor was on, but he struggled with this. At one point, these, these 42 teenagers were mocking Elijah and just making fun of him. It, it wasn't like a huge deal, but they were just basically calling him like, old bald guy is essentially what it got translated to. Hey, baldy, baldy. Well, Elijah just like exploded in anger because he had some authority and he had some power from God. He like prophesied to these two bears. And these bears came down and tore these 42 teenagers apart. I mean, that's like brutal. I'm really thankful that we don't have old bald prophet guys around here with access to bears because it could get really ugly. But that kind of anger where it's just like somebody's just like, it's not even a big deal. It's immature and it's not, it's not something that should offend you. But when those types of things set you off and you're like, oh, if, I could, if I had a pair of bears right now, oh man, oh. that's a problem. Another type of anger is, is the recluse. They're recluse with their anger. Jeremiah was like this. Uh, and then, with them, it's like the exact opposite. They don't blow up, they just clam up. 
They won't talk about it. They don't get violent. They get really quiet. And they just keep swallowing their anger. And they pretend. They pretend. Like everything's okay. The problem is, that'll turn into depression really quickly. That'll wear you down. Discourage you. A lot of times these people, they'll only swallow their anger for so long until they eventually they will explode. <laughs> and then it's really scary. Because it looks like it's just bipolar. Like, man, they're always so calm and nice and everything. And then all of a sudden it's like this, this anger comes out of them and, and anybody around them, man, watch out. Jeremiah said this in chapter 15. It says, I stayed to myself and I was filled with anger. Why do I keep on suffering? Why are my wounds incurable? Why don't they heal? Why don't they heal? Look, what you eat is important, but what's eating you is way more important. And if your anger is eating you, especially if you're this type of person in your anger, you're going you're gonna to die from the inside out. You weren't created to carry this around. And I do find that the recluse in their anger, these are typically the people that have a little bit more of a victim mentality. Like the whole world is against them. And, and they throw really great pity parties, and they're the only guest. Because their anger is just destroying them. It's not a good way to live. So a couple things about anger I think could help all of us. First of all, you have to realize the cost of your anger. Like if, if you could stop for a second, if you could stop for a second, I know this is hard and this is part of the problem. Like most of us wouldn't get angry and do stupid stuff if we were already thinking about the cost of what was going to happen. But I, I, th- I think this is why we're talking about it now because I think if you can think about the repercussions of your anger beforehand, then, then maybe that'll help you respond better. I heard someone say, man, when I get angry, man, it's just like an explosion. I just bang, and it's over, and I'm done. It's like a shotgun going off, and then I'm done, and I move on. I'm like, yeah, but you just left a hole in somebody, too. Like, it isn't just like, boom, it's over. No, your anger did something. There was a cost. There was damage that was done. Even if you feel like you're good, you're done. It's over. Like, this is how I get when I'm angry. And I think, man, any time I've ever gotten angry at Cody or I got angry at the kids or whatever, like, I'm I'm not holding on to it for days. I'll just explode. But then I want to get done, move on. But, but I just laid waste to the people I love the most. So there's a cost, and there's damage. Can you see that before you go there? Before you get, allow yourself to get mad, can you calculate the cost? Because here are some of the things that come from anger. Proverbs 29, 22, an angry person causes trouble. And a person with a quick temper sins a lot. Proverbs 15, 18, tempers cause arguments. Proverbs 14, 29, anger causes mistakes. Proverbs 14, 17, people with a hot temper do foolish things. Trouble, sin, arguments, mistakes, foolishness. 
I always lose when I lose my temper. I'm always losing something. I'm losing respect. I'm losing the affection of my family. Some of us have lost jobs because of our anger. We have lost careers. We've permanently lost relationships with people. And here's the thing. In the short run, you may motivate somebody with your anger. Because that, that, that's a form of anger that happens with a lot of people. It's like, man, they just don't get this, and I need them to see it, and I need them to get motivated to see what I see and to do what I want them to do. So you let our anger, and we threaten. You better do this or else. And you may motivate them in that moment. But eventually, anger always produces more anger. And anger typically winds up producing apathy in the people around you. Meaning it'll get to a place where they've seen your anger and heard your anger so many times, they just don't even care anymore. They don't care what you have to say. They're not motivated. They're demotivated. It just makes them want to listen to you even less. You have even less of any kind of influence with them. And your physical body was not created to carry anger like that. Proverbs 14, 29 says, Those who control their anger have great understanding. Those with a hasty temper make mistakes. Number two, you've got to restrain your remarks. Restrain your remarks. Okay, count the costs. Understand, like, whatever, however your anger anger displays itself, like, there's going to be a cost. But so much of it is the words... The words that we use. So I'm, gonna, I'm trying to save a life in this room right now. But I want, every, I want every husband, I want you to look at your spouse right now, look at your wife, every husband in here, look at your wife, and just say this. Say, sweetheart, I'm going to be careful with the words that I say. I'm promising I'm going to be more careful with the words. Come on, I'm telling you. Turn to your spouse right now and say, I'm going to be more careful with the words that I say. And I want every wife to look at your husband and say this. I don't believe you. I'm joking, but the truth is this, man, I have found in so many counseling situations, the whole issue started with words. It started with with one or the other losing control and saying some stuff that they they can't take back. I can't tell you how many times I've done this where I, I thought of something to say and I knew, I knew that I shouldn't say it, but the devil made me do it. And, and then I say it. And it was like napalm. Just destruction. The book of James talks about that. It talks about the tongue. It talks about, man, how it can be a world of evil among the parts of the body. It says it's like a spark that can set the whole course of a person's life on fire. Any firemen in the room, like when there's a fire that started, one of the things that is investigated after is where was the flashpoint? Where did this all start? And I've seen that over and over and over again as I counsel people. Man, a lot of times it starts with people just not being wise with their words. Just saying something in the middle of a, of a heightened moment, an emotional moment. Proverbs twenty one twenty three says, if you want to stay out of trouble, be careful with what you say. The problem is, I don't know how it is for you guys. The problem is, man, words come so easy when I'm angry. Right? 
Like, I feel like I am brilliant when I am angry. Like, I can come up with some of the smartest, most sarcastic and cutting things that I could ever say when I'm angry. Like, I'm never that smart when I'm not angry. I can't come up and articulate with such eloquence. And some of you, you operate that way. I am sarcastic by nature. I don't know if anybody else is that way. And here's the thing. I think that sarcasm can be used in a way that is funny. I think it can be used in a way that doesn't hurt, doesn't create damage. But I do think on the whole, it's kind of few and far between. And sarcasm is just kind of the passive-aggressive way for you not to have to say what you're really thinking, but saying it in a way that makes somebody else feel stupid. And, and so I found this definition a while back, and it has helped me. It, 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 to a certain extent, I hope it's helping me to be more guarded with how sarcastic that I can be towards people. Because this is the definition of the word sarcasm. The word sarcasm comes from the Greek word sarkizen. This word is defined as tearing flesh like a wild animal. That is what the word sarcasm means, to tear flesh. So having that visual, it's like, okay, I don't want to be like a wild, uncontrollable animal with the things that I do and say. Sarcasm can be a tremendous instrument of destruction. It says in Proverbs 15:1, a gentle answer quiets anger, but a harsh one stirs it up. Whose anger does it quiet? Well, first it quiets your anger. It quiets your anger. Because the louder you talk, the angrier you get. But here's the thing. Just because you're louder doesn't mean your point is landing any better. It's just closing it off. It's shutting it down. It's kind of like this. I've noticed this as I travel and I've done missions and stuff, and Americans are the worst at this. We're horrible at this. I'll be around people, and they're trying to talk to somebody, but they don't speak the language that they speak. So they feel like, if I speak slower and louder, maybe they will understand. It's like, bro, they don't speak the same language as you. So it doesn't matter how slow and loud, they still don't get it. And it scares them. And they start backing up and they don't want to have anything to do with you because they think that you are a crazy person. That's very similar with your anger. The problem is you're clearly not communicating the language that the person you're trying to convey your thought to You're not communicating on the same level. You're not communicating the same language, the language that they need to hear in order for you to express what you need to express without being so angry. And just because you get louder and harsher doesn't mean that it's going to help. It gets worse. It just makes you more angry. And the other principle in that verse is anger typically is contagious. It stirs up anger. So it's not only just stirring it up in you, though. Eventually... You're yelling at somebody long enough, you're going to stir anger up in them too. And they could be a person that don't struggle with anger, but they get tired of being yelled at and screamed at. We have to control our words. Psalm 141.3, set a guard on my mouth, Lord. 
keep watch over the door of my lips. Number three, I must be filled with God's Spirit again and again and again and again and again. Last year, four million wives were beat by their husbands. Ten million children were beaten by their parents. And I'm not talking about discipline. I'm talking about brutality. And I hate that. That, that is something that should make us angry. That is something that should cause some righteous anger. But the root of the problem is in the heart. It's in the heart. That's where it starts. And you need to know this. There is no law that will ever be passed that will fix the condition of the heart. Only Jesus fixes the condition of hearts. But when we get angry, if you're in a place where you are trending in this direction, and this is your lane where you find yourself getting more and more frustrated and angry and sarcastic, and you feel the volume of your voice increasing daily, and you're more prone to break things and throw things, the issue is this. You need to abide in the presence of God. John 15 says that he is a vine and we are the branches. And over and over and over again, he uses this word abide, 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 abide. Why? Because when you are connected to who he is, you produce what he produces. And what he produces is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. If you are disconnected from him, the fruit of the Spirit withers and dies. So the way that you avoid this is you have to abide. Do you know when people's anger is the greatest? It's when they're on vacation. Do you know why? Disney World. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) No, it's because when you're on vacation, you're not spending more time with God. You're spending less time with God. I'm guilty of that. There's been times like, I'm on break. Like, I'm going to get up early in the morning and read the word and pray. I'm going to sleep in. The problem is, so many of us, you get on vacation, we stop abiding in the presence of God. And then we think that it's our family or the crowds or something else that's making us angry. It's not. We are not abiding in the presence of God. If you abide in the presence of God, you see the fruit of the Spirit. Love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, self-control. Why am I in church? I'm abiding. Why do I worship God? I'm abiding. Why do I get into His Word? I'm abiding. Why do I need a life group? I need some people to abide with. It says this in Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. I'm going to read some of this out. It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Okay, that applies. Just look around you. It's where we're at. It goes on to say this. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And then it talks about one of many, many subjects that we could struggle with. But it's a great picture 
of the difference between abiding in God and giving ourselves over to our flesh. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This word filled in the Greek, it's the word pleru. And that word pleru means to be controlled by. I find that whatever I'm filled up with in my life is typically the thing that is controlling me. So if I'm filled up with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is what is controlling me. Okay, but let's go to the, to the analogy. Let's go to the example they gave. People that are controlled by drinking... Whatever they're filled up with is going to be what controls them. And it'll be contrary to who God created them to be. It'll be contrary to their normal personality. I've never seen anybody that's drunk. It's like, man, they act the same way when they're drunk as when they're not drunk. They're just the same way. No, there's usually different personality types that they take on. Right? Like they were, they were in control, but then Thunderbird took over. Oh, Lord. And then you've got the different kinds of drunks. You've got the Casanovas that think they're the biggest romantics around, and they're not, you know? You've got the criers. This whole time is crying the whole time. I don't know why I'm so sad. You've got the fighters. The talkers. Good Lord. <laughs> because they're being controlled by what they're filled with. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll be controlled by His attributes. Joy. Peace. Love. Self-control. Goodness. Gentleness. Kindness. Patience. Faithfulness. I think what the world needs is for Christians to be demonstrating who we say we're controlled by. The Spirit of God. It says in Proverbs eleven twenty five, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Okay, so when this says generous, this is not just talking about finances. This is being generous with the things of God. And this is the challenge that I would give you. As your pastor, I would challenge you to be very generous with the fruit of the Spirit. Specifically kindness. Okay, now uh, this could get cheesy real, real quick, but... But I want to tell you, like, if you, if you could refrain from the negativity in conversation on social media and all that kind of stuff, man, I, I promise you this, you will gain more influence than you have ever seen in your life. If you were just encouraging. If you were encouraging. Like, if you just encourage people. Just fine. And, and here's the thing. Some of y'all, that, that's really difficult for you. I'm not a natural encourager. I don't go around, and because words have a lot of meaning, a lot of power, and so I don't, and I'm not saying be fake. I'm not saying going around telling people they're great when you don't really think they're great, or complimenting stuff that you really don't think is cool. And some of you, like, this is like the awkwardest thing in the world for you. Like, you're trying to encourage somebody, and you're just, man, you, you're cool. You know, like your truck. <laughs> the people that have the most difficult time encouraging are the people that struggle with anger. Because you can't see beyond your anger. 
And so it could be difficult for some of you to get to this place, but this is what I've seen over and over again. When people are genuinely encouraged, it breaks them. I can't tell you how many times I've been meeting with someone And at the basis of every struggle and every sin is this. It's an identity crisis. They are away from who they are in Christ. And when you are away from who you are in Christ, it messes you up. And so I can't tell you how many times I've just started speaking. And I don't care who it is. It could be the roughest, toughest dude you've ever met in your life. But when I start telling them what God thinks about them, what God says about them, when I start telling them how loved they are and and accepted they are, how proud God is of them in spite of their sin, in spite of their mistakes. I have seen people break and begin to cry. And they've told me things like, I have never been encouraged like that in my life. And so this is my challenge to you. My challenge to you is make someone cry. Some of you are like, I did that all the way to church this morning. (laughs) Done! I'm talking about a different kind of crying. (laughs) Because you can make people cry with your anger. Easy. But there's nothing more powerful than when you make someone cry because you are generous with encouragement. And when you are generous with encouragement, it refreshes others. But man, does it ever refresh you. It changes you. It changes you. It's one of the most practical things that I could tell those of you who struggle with anger. After you repent, after you ask God to forgive you and whoever you need to ask for forgiveness from, the most practical thing you can do from there is you got to start changing the fruit. You need to abide in the presence of God and let the overflow of that make you an encourager who is generous with the fruit of the Spirit. And some of you, the way, this needs to start with you just saying, whoa, I have an anger issue. I have a problem with this. And that can be very difficult for people that have anger issues because typically people that have anger issues are very prideful people. So it's hard for them to admit I heard someone say one time, I was going to anger management, anger management classes, but it was just making me so angry, I quit going. Like, they, they couldn't see, like, how this, you need this. You need it. Let's take it before the Lord. Amen? Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. If you're here today, and, and you would admit that, whatever, whatever form of anger and whatever the way, your personality with it, because remember, look, look, Most of this is landing around what we typically view as anger, this explosive type of anger where it's outward and it's visible and all that. But I'm telling you, the recluse in your anger, man, you're in just as dangerous of a position in the spot. And so whatever that is, whatever you are, whether you're the attacker or or the person who just swallows your anger, if you know that you have a problem with this, this is something that is controlled you and it's controlled you more than the fruit of the spirit you realize man I I know that I know that some of this is because I haven't been abiding but I need to repent of this and if you're in that place right now nobody looking around I'm not going to embarrass you but if you're ready to repent you're ready 
to surrender that to God. You're ready to let him heal you. If that's you, would you please put your hand up right now? Put your hand up and keep it up. Put your hand up and keep it up. I've got a problem with anger. I've got a problem with anger. Father God, I thank you for every person that's just confessing this to you right now. They're just admitting it, Lord, that they struggle with this. And and however it it takes shape, however it takes form, God, whatever it is. And God, I know in in so many cases, man, it feels like the, the anger is justified because of the offense, because of what someone did or what someone said. But God, right now, we just confess even those thoughts as sin. And we declare that what Jesus did is enough. He paid the price. It covers it. It covers those people. It covers the offense. And thank you, Jesus, that it covers our anger. It covers our sin and our anger. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would heal every person that's raising their hand right now. All these hands, every person that struggles with anger, however it demonstrates itself, God, we surrender and we put Jesus back on the throne of our lives and of our hearts. And we declare that every word that we have said in anger, that those words would fall dead, that they wouldn't be able to have fruit. God, we declare that we're going to abide in who we are as your sons and daughters, according to your word and according to your grace and according to your mercy. We declare over our own lives that we walk in the fullness of grace, that we can be grace to other people. We can be encouragement to other people. God, heal us of our anger. Heal us of our anger. We surrender it to you. You can put your hands down. I thank you for doing that, Lord. Also know there might be some people in here that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Well, in order for any of these things to be healed in your life, it starts with a surrender to who he is. And if you're here today and you're ready, and I believe the spirit of God's already speaking to you, he's been speaking to you, that it's time for you to surrender your life. Maybe you've been around church things your whole life, but you've never truly surrendered to him. You need him as your savior. Or maybe you just need to rededicate your life. You need to come back to him today. If you're either one of those people, I want to pray with you once again. If that's you, would you please just put your hand up right now in this room. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. As soon as I see you, you can put your hand down. Yes, yes. Anybody else? Yes, yes. Thank you, guys. Got it, bro. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. I need to surrender my life to him. I want to declare Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to rededicate my life to him. Yes, man. I need to come to him today. Anybody else? I need Jesus. I need a Savior. Yes, sir. Got you there at the back. Thanks, man. Anybody else? Yes, man. Every person that raised your hand, God is here to meet with you right there in your chair. I want you to know that raising your hand doesn't get you saved, but I think it's a great act of faith that opens you up to the grace of God. The word says that if you can believe this in your own heart, but then also if you can declare it, if you can tell people about it, you can be saved. Man, the, the, the part of you telling other people is just so they know so that you can be encouraged and so you can be supported. And I encourage you to do that. The best way to do that is to water baptism. Coming up in a couple weeks, right after Easter, we're going to have an opportunity for people to be baptized. I encourage you to do that. But right there in your chair, 
between you and God, just talk to him. Just say, Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I can't understand everything about it. I don't understand that kind of love and that kind of forgiveness, but in faith, I believe it and I receive it. I thank you that you didn't stay dead. You defeated death. You defeated my sin. You rose from the grave. And right now, I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord and Savior. God, I don't want you just to save me from my sin, but I want to commit my life to you. I surrender to you. I want to live according to your plan, your purpose, your will, your word. Help me understand that. Surrender my life to you today. Father God, I thank you for every person that made that decision. Thank you for showing up and meeting with them. God, your word says that when even one person gets saved, all of heaven rejoices. And so for every individual, God, I pray that they would sense their heavenly father smiling down there with favor as all of heaven throws a party. God, help us. We've said so many times, the problem with the church is not the sin of the world, but the problem with the world is the sin in the church. God, don't let us be a church that is known for anger, that's known for rants, that's known for our frustrations, but let us be known as a people that are generous with the fruit of the Spirit, that are generous with encouragement and words that bring life. God, help me with that. Help us all with that. And let your Son, Jesus, be Get all the glory for it, Lord. That's what we want. We want his name to be lifted high. Thank you for giving us that responsibility to be that salt and light. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, let's give God a hand. Let's give those people that made a decision today a hand. Proud of you guys.